So the reading can be found on page 1061, Luke 24, 13, 36. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? What things, he asked them. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, Sally. Well, if you've got that Bible open in front of you, do keep it there because we'll be looking at that passage together. And kids, if you want to uh, dive into those activity sheets, now's a great time to do that as well. Let me ask you a question. What is the longest wait you've ever had to experience? Something that you're really excited for, that you can't, can't wait for, that you're longing for, What's the longest wait you've ever had? Yeah, no, what do you reckon? 
you wanted the PlayStation, you were longing for it, you were waiting, waiting, you couldn't find it anywhere. That's, yeah, that's a good example. Thanks, Noah. Yeah, any other ones? No worries if not. That's fine. Okay, great. Well, I think waiting for those things that we're really excited for, that we're longing for, is a little bit like a balloon that I've got here. Maybe it's a birthday. And we're really looking forward to our next birthday. When you're, when you're a little bit older, maybe you're not quite so much looking forward to that next birthday, but hopefully it's still an exciting time. And so, like a balloon, the excitement and the anticipation builds. Or maybe it's Christmas. Each day we open the next door of our advent calendars and the excitement and the hope and the anticipation, it builds and builds. Or maybe it's your football team and you can't wait for them to win the title or maybe not get relegated or finish in the top four if you're lucky, Arsenal. And the hope and the anticipation and the excitement builds. Well, for God's people, for Israel, they had been waiting for millennia, from generation to generation to generation, waiting for God's promised rescuer, the one who would restore relationships, who would save his people. Waiting and waiting. But then with the coming of Jesus, well, many thought that this, this was it. Jesus' disciples, his followers, hoped that at last this was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But their hopes, well, their hopes were completely torn apart. Remember those things that we were looking forward to? Remember a few years back when we had that COVID Christmas? Desperately looking forward to something, to seeing friends, to seeing family, and yet just a week or so before we were told, Effectively, Christmas was, was cancelled, that we wouldn't be able to see a lot of the people that we had hoped to see. And again, it wasn't just Christmas, was it? Birthdays on Zoom, and uh, we had to wait for lots of things, like holidays as well, holidays that were cancelled. And the list went on and on. And in each of those instances, they give us just a small sense, captures the slightest fraction of what's going on here that sense of a balloon being let go. Being let go. Because we see in Luke's gospel that for Jesus' followers, all their hopes, well, they were completely torn apart. As their teacher, their Lord, the one that they had hoped would be their saviour, he was torn apart on the cross. Jesus, the, the promised Messiah, Israel's rescuing king, dead crucified. And where before these followers, these disciples of Jesus, had been pinning everything on Jesus, they now find themselves lost. Three days after watching Jesus die, they have no hope, no certainty, and no peace. They've watched Jesus die on the cross, and now they have no hope, no certainty, and no peace. Our passage that we had read for us a moment ago, where it throws us into this story, and we find ourselves with two of Jesus' followers. One of them is called Cleopas, and these two guys, well, they are on the road. They've been with Jesus in Jerusalem, but now that we're told that they're leaving, they're heading out of the city to a village called Emmaus. Perhaps they're just wanting to leave behind 
all of that pain, all of that disappointment they've experienced. Well, Luke, the storyteller, he, he places us with them on this walk, on this road, and we, and we can tune into their conversation. They're talking about everything that has just happened, the garden, the betrayal, the arrest, the trial, the crucifixion. And it's as they're sharing with one another just how lost they are without Jesus. Who is it who draws alongside them, who begins walking with them? Well, it's none other than Jesus himself. The risen Lord Jesus is on the road with them. But, but they don't realize it. They don't recognize Jesus to be Jesus. They're kept from seeing his true identity. And so that sense of being completely lost, well, it's still with them. No hope, no certainty, no peace. This unknown man who's with them, who we know to be Jesus, well, he asks them, what are you talking about as you walk on the road? And verse 17 tells us how they respond. I actually think it's quite moving. They stood still, their faces downcast. The thought of having to explain what had just happened to the one that they had put all their hopes on, having to relive the death of Jesus, well, it stops them in their tracks. And they can't believe that this stranger before them hasn't heard. Surely everyone by now has, has read the local newspapers, has heard it from their neighbors. Surely everyone knows all about Jesus who was crucified. But he presses them for an answer. What things, he asks. And so they explain who Jesus had been to them. They say that he was a powerful prophet, powerful in his word, in his teachings, his ability to forgive, and powerful in his deeds, in the amazing miracles he performed to heal, feed, save. But they also explain how this powerful prophet was arrested, sentenced to death, and crucified. And they explain that all this had happened three days ago. Their longed-for saviour, dead and buried for three days. All hope is lost. But is it? Because these two followers of Jesus, well, they then share with this stranger before them the strange events of that very morning, of how two women who were part of their group, how these two women had gone to the tomb but found it empty. And of how Peter and John had also gone to that same tomb and found no sign of Jesus. That's their story. That's the last three days. And it ends with confusion. But still, no hope, no certainty, and no peace. And it's as they finish speaking, Jesus, the, the, the stranger, well, he cannot believe they still don't get it. Jesus says in verse 25, how foolish you are and how slow to believe. Foolish and slow because everything, everything had been pointing to this. Even after all this time, these followers of Jesus still didn't understand who Jesus really was, why he really had come to earth. They thought that the cross was where everything had gone wrong, the point where all the hopes were lost. But Jesus says, no. Jesus says, the entirety of your history has been leading to this point, to the cross. This wasn't a, a hopeless disaster. This was always the plan. 
The cross is the only place where we can find true hope. Have a look at those verses again with me. Jesus says in verse 25, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now, I love that last verse. It's genuinely one of my favorite verses in the whole of the Bible because it helps me to understand the whole of the Bible, how we should be really understanding and seeing Scripture. Jesus is saying here, in no uncertain terms, that the whole of this book that we have in our hands this morning, well, it's all about him. That all of Scripture is pointing to him. And to help us get our heads around this, uh, I've given out some, some bits of paper, some signs to various different people this morning. And when I uh, call out the name of the person on your sign, it'd be great if you could hold it up high and point it to the cross. That would be an amazing thing uh, if you could do that. So I want to imagine that you here this morning are the Bible in its entirety. You are the 66 books of the Bible. What's it all about? Well, it's about this. Jesus is the true and better Adam. Great, we've got Adam here. Thank you very much. Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and who obedience, his obedience is carried to us. Jesus is the true and better Abel who, though innocently killed, his blood now cries out not for our condemnation but for our acquittal. You can keep holding those up. That'd be great. Thank you. Jesus is the true and better Abraham. We've got an Abraham as well. Thank you very much. Who answered the call to leave all his comfort, his home, and to go out into the void to create God's new people. Jesus is the true and better Isaac. Thanks, Roger. Who not just offered up as, uh, as God's only son on the mount, but who was truly sacrificed for us all. Jesus is the true and better Joseph, who when elevated to great power, well, he forgives those who betrayed and sold him, and he uses that new power to save them, to save us. Jesus is the new and better, true and better Moses. We've got Moses, thank you, who stands in the gap between God's people and the Lord, and who mediates a new covenant, a new promise. Jesus is the true and better David. There's David in the room. Thanks. Great. Whose victory becomes his people's victory, even though they didn't lift a stone to accomplish it. Jesus is the true and better Esther. Got an Esther somewhere. Great. Thank you very much. Who didn't just risk leaving an earthly palace, but lost the ultimate heavenly one. And he didn't just risk his life, but gave his life to save his people. Jesus is the true and better lamb, the Passover lamb. He was innocent, perfect, slain, so that death would pass over us. He is the true temple, the true prophet, the true priest, the true king, the true bread, and the true light. The Bible is not a series of disconnected books. It is one single narrative that all points to who Jesus is. It all points to Jesus. Thank you, you've done a great job. You can put those signs down now. Back in our passage in Luke, we read, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning 
himself. And this shows us and these two lost guys on the road that God keeps his word. That the cross wasn't plan B, but was God's promised plan. A plan that Jesus fulfills. A promise that he keeps. So, there is hope. There is hope because Jesus has kept all of God's promises in Scripture. Promises that mean we can be saved. But this road trip with these two disciples and Jesus is not over yet. The journey ends. They've reached Emmaus, the village that they were headed for, but they don't want the conversation to end just yet. This stranger who's been walking with them, well, he's given them their first glimmer of hope that they've had for those three long days. And so they convince him to come in, to stay with them, and to eat with them. What happens next? Well, it's a meal, but a meal that proves very familiar. As this stranger sits with them, he takes some bread. And he takes the bread in his hands, and he gives thanks for it, and he breaks it before them. And for these two disciples, they get a serious case of deja vu. From this meal, they're transported back to that last meal where Jesus stood before them and said, this is my body broken for you. And now he stands before them again, having gone to the cross, but now alive. Jesus is risen. Jesus is risen and Finally, finally, they get it. They see Jesus for who he truly is. Jesus, their risen Lord and Savior. But then, just like that, he disappears from their sight. And understandably, these two are completely blown away. And so what do they do? Well, they leg it back to Jerusalem. We're told in verse 33 that they get up at once and they return to Jerusalem, the road that they had just traveled on. They traveled out on the roads hopeless, but now we see that they return full of hope, full of excitement. And with that sense of excitement, they go out and they find the other disciples, the 11 disciples. And they exclaim in verse 33, it is true, the Lord, is, the Lord has risen. They now have this wonderful sense of certainty. Wonderful sense of certainty. Because Jesus has risen. And in many ways, that's exactly what Luke is all about. That's why he's recorded this gospel account. Back, right back at the beginning of Luke's gospel in chapter 1, Luke says that he has conducted his investigation that he's spoken to eyewitnesses, and he's written it all down so that we could have certainty, certainty of the truth. Here at the other end of this gospel, the end of the gospel, we're presented with a picture of complete certainty. It is true. That's a wonderful statement, isn't it? It is true. And it's one that is so helpful to us in the situations that we find ourselves in today. When we read the the papers, when we watch the news, when we scroll on social media on our phones, it can be so hard to know what is true and what is not. Some have described it as living in a post-truth society, where especially in our politics, truth 
is something which is fluid and can be molded and reshaped, or even in some cases just completely ignored. And so in a post-truth society, it's so refreshing, so important to see that this is true, that we have something wonderfully true here. They say, it is true, the Lord has risen. Jesus' resurrection is a wonderful truth that gives us a wonderful sense of certainty. When all around us we see people desperately looking for something to cling to, something reliable, something real, but time and time again are disappointed. We can be certain of the truth. So we've seen so far on this amazing road trip that we can have hope because Jesus has kept all of God's promises in Scripture and saves us. We can have certainty in the truth of the resurrection. But very briefly, there's one more scene in this amazing episode. Because no sooner has uh, Cleopas and his friend excitedly, excitedly explained to the 11 disciples what they've just seen, then once again, Jesus himself appears. And what's the first thing that he says to his 11 disciples? The very first thing, peace be with you. Peace. Now, in some ways, I imagine that these disciples, well, I imagine they were feeling anything but peaceful as the man who they once thought was dead suddenly appears in front of them. But Jesus offers them peace, real, true, and lasting peace. Peace from the despair that they had experienced at the cross. Peace from the worry and the fears that would have been with them. What's next? Peace from the confusion and consternation of the empty tomb. Peace? How? Because Jesus was with them. We're told in verse 36 that Jesus stood among them. He's right there in the midst of it with them. There could be no greater comfort than that. Jesus was with them, among them. That is where peace is to be found, with Jesus. We join these two followers of Jesus at the beginning of our passage, and they were hopeless, uncertain, lost, and restless. But now they have hope, because in the risen Lord Jesus, all of God's promises to save were kept. They have certainty, because in the risen Lord Jesus, the truth of the resurrection was confirmed. They have peace, because in the risen Lord Jesus, he was with them. The risen Lord Jesus was with them. And all this leads, to ask, leads us to ask a question of ourselves. What does the resurrection really mean? What impact does it have today? Who is the risen Lord Jesus to you? Maybe when it comes to the Christian faith, we predominantly think of the cross. Or maybe at a different time of year, we think about the baby in a manger, God with us. But do we think about the empty tomb? Because what we've seen here in Luke 24, well, it should have a huge impact on us and should be absolutely central to our faith, to our lives, our thinking, and even our desires and our dreams. So what does the resurrection really mean? What difference does it make to you? Well, we've seen this morning that a risen Jesus means that we can have hope. A hope that lasts beyond the grave. A hope that death cannot touch. A hope that shapes how we deal with illness and ailments. 
I hope that transform how we grieve those that we've lost. A hope rooted in God's kept promises. What difference does the resurrection make to you? Well, in the week ahead, we can see that we can have certainty. In that week ahead, that when we maybe doubt ourselves, doubt those around us, where maybe our job security feels fragile, our financial security feels uncertain, when we don't know who or what to trust in, well, we can look to Jesus and say with his disciples, it is true, the Lord has risen. And in knowing that, our security is sure, our future is certain, because in the life that Jesus now lives, we too have life. What difference does the, resur- the resurrection make to you? Well, the risen Jesus means that we can have peace. Peace not in our achievements, not in our families, not in our work, not in our comfortable lifestyles, but peace in the sure knowledge that Jesus is with us. That by rising to new life and sending his spirit, he is among us, with us, helping us and guiding us in the ups and downs of life. And in it all, we can have peace knowing that he is there with us. So, the resurrection makes all the difference in the world. Hope, certainty, peace. Jesus is risen. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you so much that tomb is empty, that he has risen, that he has defeated death. And Lord God, we thank you for the hope that that gives us. Lord, we need hope at this time. So help us in uh, the midst of those tough times, of a difficult week ahead that some of us may be facing, to know that hope afresh, to know that you do keep your promises, and to know with a wonderful sense of certainty that the resurrection did happen, that Jesus' life is now our lives, and that we can face the future with Jesus by our side. We thank you for that wonderful truth. Help us to, to dwell on these things and to take them to heart now and throughout the rest of the day. We ask for your glory. Amen.